Miller.com. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Welcome back. Hour number two, five minutes after the hour of 11. It's Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 on the FM dial. We take you until noon. Bottom of the hour, our friend Scott Dockerman of The Athletic will join us. We'll get inside the Hawkeyes with Doc uh, coming up here in about 25 minutes. Well, our next guest has agreed to join us. Uh, every Monday, and we're grateful for that as we recap what and, and set you up for the week ahead in MLB. We're only, what, 10 games or thereabouts into it. A lot of teams playing their 10th game of the season. I think it's been outstanding. Uh, and Matt Snyder from CBSSports.com joins us. Matt, Trent, and Ken, first of all, thank you for agreeing to do this, and we appreciate that. Uh, how are you? I'm good. You know, it's uh, it's been fun getting going, but uh, in a way, like, since we just had the six-game season last year, you're looking at how much is left, and like, man, we've got a long, yeah. long way to go. We do, but for whatever reason, at least to me, the sense of urgency that we had in the season last year, it's kind of carried over. You know, April baseball, It's um, I find myself paying way more attention to it. Um, it's not just background <laughs> yeah. noise. I'm on and I'm locked and loaded to uh, a lot of these games. Cubs have been awful. Uh, we'll get to them in a second. Yeah. Let's go back to last night. Trent felt the same way, which was good, because I thought I was the only person in America that thought, you know what, I'm not so sure they can overturn that call at home plate, talking about the Phillies and the uh, and the Bravos, and there was a close play at the plate, and he was ruled safe and replayed. Now, it took too long, I'll give you that. Um, I don't know if his foot touched the base or not. Uh, there was no change, but boy, oh boy, Brace fans did not like that one bit. Did they get it right? I don't think so. I mean, I understand the argument that if you're going to say that threshold is, is there enough evidence to overturn? I guess I could see where somebody might say, which I guess you are, like maybe it looked like the point of his toe clipped like that, what was it, top right corner of the plate mm-hmm. if you're behind the plate. Um, I just I just don't think it did. But if you say I'm only saying think, then I guess right. you're saying that the call has to stand – I don't know. This is where sometimes I get annoyed with the threshold. Like, why does the call on the field, why does that carry much weight when the umpire's looking with a naked eye and it's so fast motion, and he probably was kind of a little bit in a place where he couldn't be able to see if the toe hit anyway. Honestly, at that point, I know umpires are really good usually at bang-bang plays, but come on, he's guessing. (laughs) So, like, for that to be the standard on the replay is where I'm like, what if you just – Send it to the replay, and, and it, I don't know if we could ever do this because I guess they have to have some kind of guideline, but what if you sent it to him and said, get it right? Do you think he was safer out? Do you think he touched the plate? I think the replay official would have said, he did. I don't think he touched the plate. I don't think he did. But I, And, again, I don't know that, but neither did the home plate umpire when he said safe. Fair point. So the Phillies sit at 6-3. and three. They salvage at least a game out of the series after the Bra- Bravos took the first couple of games. Sustainability of this Phillies team. And when you look at this race and the Nationals off to a really, really slow start, along with the Marlins, though, is it a three-team race? Do you think the Nats get back in it? Your thoughts overall on the National League East? 
Uh, I had the, the Nats four and the Phillies three going into the year. I would definitely stick with that. I think that eventually things are going to even out with the Mets and Braves. And the Mets have had such a weird and funky start anyway. Uh, I, I do think still like the Braves are the best team in the division. And by them ripping off four wins in a row after the 0-4 start kind of solidifies that, especially since last night could have gone either way. They were looking at maybe five, five in a row. Uh, the Phillies were such an interesting team for me coming into the year because they had possibly the worst bullpen in the history of baseball last year, and they still were only two games out of a playoff spot. Uh, they won 9 out of 10 at one point to get back in it, but then they kind of fell apart. They were so streaky. I just wondered if it was 162 games. Would they have gotten their feet underneath them a little bit more? Would they have gotten the bullpen figured out? Because they have two aces. They have an offense capable of putting up a lot of runs. With you know, especially now that Bohm is establishing himself as a really good hitter alongside the likes of Bryce Harper and Reese Hoskins and JT Realmuto, they've got players. And a lot of people kind of made fun of them for running it back when they brought back like Didi and they brought back Realmuto. But I was looking, I was like, man, but if they just got the bullpen figured out, they would have been a lot better and they played really well for stretches. So I think it's possible that they could be a pretty good team for, for the entire season. I'm with you on that bullpen. That was a revelation this uh, so far into the season. That Alvarado last yeah. night, my God, uh, that's a dangerous man. You know, I saw a tweet over the weekend, Matt, that, that literally um, I, I did laugh out loud. I, <laughs> um, and it had to do with Jacob deGrom. And somebody tweeted, yeah, <laughs> tweeted over the weekend that, you know, he's going to have the shortest Hall of, Fame, Hall of Fame speech in history because he literally has no one to thank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, I actually, my comment on the power rankings was, was like, uh, do you ever think that in his heart of hearts when Jacob DeGrom rocks and walks in the locker room, sometimes he wants to look around and go, why do you guys hate me? Right. <laughs> like, man, uh, it's it, something like since the start of 2018, the DRA is almost, it's, it's right around like two, and they're 36 and 42 in a start. I mean, that, that shouldn't even be possible. Nope. Uh, and you look at to go out in, in eight innings, give up one run and strike out 14 and take the loss. And by the way, that one run, that wasn't even a mistake. That was 101 miles per hour on an 0-2 above the strike zone. <laughs> like, mm. That wasn't even a mistake. And that's what, that's what he lost on? Come on. He started like 180 games, Trent. Mm-hmm. And in half of those, he's given up one run or fewer. Think about that. He's... As good as he gets? It's as good as he gets. Anyways. But he doesn't get any help no. to go along with it. All right, let's... What, uh, what was funny is, going into this year, I, when I was on our video platform, CBS HQ, they asked me to do like a prediction for every stat category. And on wins, I said, this is finally the year Jacob Dubrom wins 20. Uh, I don't know. I would, I would kind of like that one back already. <laughs> yeah, it, it's trending that direction every single time. And there's been those guys throughout history... Think of Felix Hernandez. You yeah, know, there's another one. It's a good one. The, the Cy Young season mm-hmm, that he yeah. had, and he finally broke baseball. old baseball writers to actually vote for him, even though he didn't have the wins, and people understood just how yeah. good he was. Well, from there, I want to come back here to the Midwest. And, Matt, we know you're a Cubs fan, so this team can't hit. They're not pitching it very well. Yeah. Are we trending towards a direction where we get to July and it's – Let's sell everything off. Yeah. Like everything that's not bolted down, <laughs> get it out of town. It's possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm trying not to go crazy about being four and five through nine games, but good Lord, it's six, six of those games were against the Pirates. Right. I mean, you, you probably should have been six and three or even seven and two going in if you're expecting to be a contender. And you're looking at Javier Baez, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Craig Kimbrell, all being free agents at the end of the year. Wilson Contreras being a free agent after next year. If any of those guys can play to where they have great value and the Cubs are still out of it, which honestly right now 
Baez, Kimbrell, and Bryant probably are playing mm-hmm. well enough they would have really good value. Rizzo's not, but there's still plenty of time there. Um, I, I I think I'm starting to make my peace with that it just needs to be blown up mm-hmm. because there's been something broken with this offense uh, probably since the second half of 2018. If not, and even in 2019, they were kind of toward the top in several offensive categories. But as you guys well know from watching, it was a lot of one run in a game, then two runs in a game, then 13. And all of a sudden, if you even those three games out, it looks, oh, they're a pretty good offense, but they were so boomer bust. And now it's just mostly bust. Yeah, and they got a tough week. I mean, three in Milwaukee, and tomorrow, yes, Hendricks will go, but he goes against Woodruff, and they're in Arietta on the getaway day, and he's up against Burns. And then here come the Braves, and we'll see the Cubs and the Braves uh, on Sunday night baseball. So let's talk about this Milwaukee team a little bit, because I think they're legit. I do. Uh, now, Yelich going out yesterday, left the game early in the baseball game. I wasn't watching. I was glued to the Masters. Uh, do you know anything? Is this truly a day-to-day, apparently... What was he back? He had back spasms or his back, something wrong with his back. What do you know about Yelich and this Brewers team? You know, 10 games into or wherever we are, nine or 10, are they starting to look like maybe they're the class of the Central or too early? Um, yeah, it's, that's way tough to say that. The Reds have looked really good, but then the Reds just lost 10 or the Diamondbacks who looked terrible before that. It's just so early. Um, don't know much on Yelich. They're not really letting much out. We do know that they're, they're, he's had back injuries the last several years or not necessarily injuries but back pain issues and, and you know yeah it, it's kind of worrisome uh someone that young and in that great of shape they already have back issues so uh it's something i would watch but i don't think it's anything we need to overreact to right now and what's funny in my my power rankings intro today i talked about how you don't want to overreact but you can react mm-hmm. so don't want to overreact when the brewers start one and three <laughs> against the Twins and Cubs when their only win was basically handed to them by the Twins on opening day. Sorry, Trent. Yes. Um, but ever since then, they looked great. So, and, and, you know, Woodruff and Burns, that's as good of a one-two combo as you can mm-hmm. find, especially for uh, on a, a one-two combo that nobody really talks about nationally. They're they're outstanding. Um, and, yeah, when you just said Woodruff versus Hendricks, my first thought was bet the under on that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'd like to see the Brewers' offense be more consistent, but I think they're going to be really, really good at run prevention. They have the arms. They're so good at developing bullpen arms. They're like a bunch of guys that you've never even heard of bringing gas. And to add Colton Wong to that defense, which kicks Kesson Hare over to first base, to add Jackie Bradley Jr. to the outfield defense, they're going to pick it, and uh, they're going to keep the, the opposition down. The Reds. All right, Jonathan India, love the hair. Tyler Nyquin, I remember him <laughs> yeah. with the Indians. He was terrible. How This guy's got five home runs already. Sustainability over here. Cincinnati, contender, pretender, a week and a half in. Uh, sustainability of, like, Nyquin? Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on the whole, I think that they're probably – it seems like most people had them slotted for fourth in the Central. They're probably better than that. Like, I think they're def- definitely better than the Cubs right now. And also, they haven't even had Sonny Gray pitch yet. So they're going to get mm, Sonny Gray yeah. back. That'll solidify the staff a little bit with Castino and Molly there. Um, I, I think they're they're fine. Like if they were in the East or the West, I wouldn't really think they were a playoff contender, especially with only two wild cards this year. But nobody's really that good in the Central, so you could foresee a scenario where they win the Central with something like eighty five or eighty six wins. Them or the Brewers or the Cardinals. I guess we still have to say the Cubs, even though I wouldn't be confident in that. That I just that division. I don't feel like anybody's even going to get to ninety wins. So 
I think the Reds are capable of that. It has to be kind of closer to their best-case scenario, though. Uh, let's do the American League Central. Cleveland, who I thought was, um, and they still well may may well be, uh, due for a little bit of a comeback. Uh, Royals are off to a good start. Twins, they're 5-4, and four, as Trent points out, and I agree with them to an extent. That, that could be a 9-0 and no start. Extra innings have not yeah. been kind to them, and they it wasn't again yesterday. The White Sox are kind of treading water right now. I think that they'll, um, you know, when it's all said and done. Uh, but this is a pretty tight start to this race in the American League Central, Matt Snyder. Yeah, I, I think with the Twins, they're probably the, the best team right now. It's I, I had the White Sox going into the year, but they lost Jimenez for the year, probably. Uh, they've already lost Tim Anderson. Uh, I, I'm sure Liam Hendricks will get it figured out, but he has not been good at all so far. It, it's, it's probably at least a two-team race, maybe three. On the Indians, though, it's like they've played, what, the Tigers six times in the Royals twice. You just, I have no idea how to judge what we've got in them because the Tigers are terrible. While the Royals might be better, they're still not really a contender, so it's hard to know this soon on Cleveland. Um, but, yeah, like you said, on the Twins, I'm, I'm sure they'll get the bullpen figured out. Colome, I'm sure they'll get something figured out there. Um, and, yeah, they they could very well be undefeated, and they've already been dealing with Donaldson's injury. But how about Byron Buxton? Oh. Mm. It's incredible, man. Just just watching this guy game in and game out. Yesterday, the home run that he hit, I mean, it was a cutter that stayed up just for a moment. He's added 25 pounds of muscle, and you can certainly see that here. This guy is still only 27. It feels like he's been in certainly my life for a lot longer than that, but, but here he is with a guy like this. Let's say he puts it together for a full season and puts together an MVP-like year. He's got one more year yeah. left on his contract. What what kind of market you know going forward is oh, this? <laughs> is this a guy that could break the bank because of what we know with the injury concerns? Uh, my inclination is to say probably not, mm-hmm. just because of how much we've seen and how little of the MVP upside we've seen so far. But gosh, if he does it for an entire year and stays healthy and ends up winning an MVP, maybe the maybe the calculus has changed there. Uh, I would say if he does have that that good of a year, you're you're at least looking into what 150 million at, at least, uh, e- even with the concerns. Right. So, uh, hmm. I had not considered that because <laughs> I just it's just been so long with the the good and then the bad and then the hurt and then the good and the inconsistent. It's just it's it's nice to see so far and hopefully it keeps up. Indeed, Matt Snyder, CBSSports.com. Uh, the worst team in baseball is. Uh, I feel like it's probably going to end up being the Orioles here. I know they swept the the Red Sox the first weekend, but the Red Sox, boy, they've had a good week coming yeah. back. Jeez, and the Red Sox just won six in a row now. And JD Martinez looks like the JD of old. Uh, I, probably the Orioles, but I, I think we're going to end up with some mix of like Orioles, Pirates, Tigers, something like that. I want to uh, take you back to Friday night because I thought that was a really cool moment with uh, with Musgrove. Throwing the oh, no-hitter yeah, for the Padres, yeah, over 50 years as an organization. Crazy. Yeah, a, a San Diego guy, a guy that had some nice starts at the end, just has never been able to put it all together. Really just a, a cool story overall. And, and those moments in baseball, you never know what they're going to happen, when they're going to happen, but a Friday night in April and the Padres finally get their no-hitter. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. I, I think what we're, we're learning here that we've known for the past few years is all somebody has to do is leave the Pirates and they become awesome, right? right? At least yeah. pitching-wise, that's the new thing. Uh, yeah, that was great. And he's always had that, like, 
you always thought, oh man, there's there's potential there. He just needs to put it all together. Uh, maybe going back home, a San Diego hometown kid. Maybe that was all he needed. I know he was a lot better last year, but it was a short season, and he really only faced not very good hitting central teams. So maybe that was the start of the curve, and now he he changes scenery, puts it all together. Uh, Matt Snyder, CBSSports.com. Matt, have a wonderful week. What are you working on this week? Want to promo anything that you've got coming up? Oh, not necessarily. Just looking forward to watching the games and seeing things uh, kind of develop. Like I said, one of the main things I thought about was when I was looking at the Indians last night, and I thought, gosh, we just don't know. (laughs) We're getting close to 10 games, but it's almost all been against the Tigers. So how am I supposed to judge that? We don't know. It's tough. (laughs) Uh, uh, Cubs, Cardinals, Cubs. Cardinals are Cardinals are similar, right? Mm-hmm. Like they lost to the series of the Brewers, lost the series of the Reds, and they swept the Marlins. So okay, I don't. Is this the team that's going to lose series to good teams? You, you don't know. It's just so early. That's what's fun. And yet we see the Cubs playing a bad team, and it's not going well. And here come the Brewers no. and the Braves coming up this week. Matt, great stuff. We'll talk to you next Monday. Appreciate you doing this for us. Thank you, Matt Snyder. Look forward to talking to you All right, next have time. A good one. You do the same. Right. Uh, Matt Snyder, CBSSports.com. I meant to ask you this last week. Mm-hmm. There's a kid from the Tigers. Badu? Yeah, yeah. Former, he was a twin? It, well, not really. I mean, he wasn't even a real big prospect. Okay. He wasn't... Because he's had a hell of an opening week. If he was ever even in like their top ten prospects, it was in the back end of it. Okay, like he is not a guy that I knew that they missed on by letting right. him get out of out of their grasp. Yes, yeah. It's, again, the word that I used a couple of times, sustainability. Don't think there's a ton there for him. But what a fun and he story would have been, been behind Buxton, right? I think isn't he a center fielder? Yeah, yeah. Probably a part of it too, right? Yeah, big dude think. though for a. Not your normal center fielder. Boy, he's off to a terrific start. I think he beat your twins. Didn't he have the yeah. walk-off hitter once or twice in that series? Yeah. He, uh, I think he once for sure. gave, him, gave him the lead at one point. Yeah, he's he's been good. And then he walked them off on that day game. I don't remember what day it was, but <laughs> they all he go, did. come together. They yeah. do. All right, Miller and Con back to talk some Hawks with Scott Darkman. If you're a Cyclone fan, tomorrow Michael Swain will join us and all the Iowa State news uh, from over the weekend. Uh, but Doc is next on the Hawks. It's 1460 KXNO. We've got something to do. Yeah, we got to give away, uh, try to give away some money here. Time for another $1,000 home run if you missed it in the first hour. A little bit different than the way we've done these contests in the past. So right, don't try to text. No texting for this one. It's KXNO.com. What you do is you'll go there for your chance at $1,000. The keyword for the 11 o'clock hour is laugh. Laugh. So what you go do, go to KXNO.com. You'll find the sign-up sheet right there. Click on that and put in laugh. That is your chance to win a thousand dollars at kxno.com indeed uh, that's uh pop-up box should appear as soon as you go to kxno.com the keyword this hour is laugh dockerman joins us next miller and condon 1460 kxno 106.3 kxno trent condon here with you there's two kinds of rental property owners the do-it-yourself guy and the renter's warehouse guy you know diy guy he insists on handling everything himself even if it makes him miserable renter's warehouse guys are a lot happier because they let my friends at Renner's Warehouse handle all their property management headaches. Like when a tenant clogs a crapper, DIY guy grabs a plunger, heads over, opens the lid, and nearly passes out. Renner's Warehouse guy, he lets Renner's Warehouse handle it. When tenants are late with rent, DIY guy interrupts his workday to call them 
email them, text them, until he's wasted his entire day. While Renner's Warehouse Guy lets Renner's Warehouse handle it. And when a tenant has an emergency at 3 in the morning, DIY Guy has to roll out of bed and handle it himself. Because when you're a DIY landlord, your tenant's problems are always your problems. Renner's Warehouse Guy, he sleeps soundly through the night. When it comes to your property management, let Renner's Warehouse handle it. Get your free rental price analysis at renterswarehouse.com today. That's renterswarehouse.com today or call 515-528-44. Washer Systems of Iowa, blasting grime and saving you time. At Washer Systems of Iowa, we have an experienced factory trained service department and will work on any American-made pressure washer. Washer Systems of Iowa features Mighty M industrial pressure washers. Built in Iowa, number one in Iowa. Visit their showroom at 6050 Northeast 14th Street in Des Moines, or you can find them online at washersystems.com. Plates, Northbrook, Illinois. Miller and Condon, welcome back. 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dial. Let's get to our friend Scott Dockerman of The Athletic. Doc joins us, got a really good piece. Some underclassmen that are turning eyes uh, in Iowa City. Of course, all eyes will be on those underclassmen as everybody gets to sit and watch them with their own two eyes coming up this weekend. Then again, two weeks on May the 1st. Doc, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you? Doing well, fellas. How about yourself? Doing well. Enjoying all the coverage at the Athletic of Spring Football. And, you know, Doc, let's get into your piece because I know that this is always a very popular uh, time of year when you, uh, some Hawkeye fans, whatever, whoever your uh, college affiliation is, are seeing some of these guys that, yeah, you remember from signing day, but kind of lost track of them during the season, the, the previous season. But now maybe in some cases an opportunity to grab that mantle and to, you know, to set their own course. Uh, give us a couple of names that are doing just that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's always it's interesting every year when this happens where you kind of see that growth pattern, but you know, not having that opportunity to watch these players, even for one single practice in August, uh, really kind of distorts the picture a little bit and makes you a little bit more anxious to wanting to know more about these guys. And my, number one, for sure, was was uh, Y.A. Black. And this guy's a monster. He's 6'5", 280, uh, a guy that played snaps, real snaps in, in three different games. Um, you know, double-digit snaps as a defensive end. He's moved inside, and uh, by all accounts, uh, it sounds like this that he's the real deal. That he is going to be—he's already a starter as a, as a redshirt freshman. Some of that's probably on necessity, you think, yeah. but actually, he's very, very tough to block. So he and uh, Logan Jones, to me—you know—I have one and three on my list because uh, Logan Jones. Uh, has already set records uh, in the squat in the hang clean for his category and and uh, you know his defensive tackles. Then you start to think about all the defensive tackles they've had over the years: Khalil Johnson and Carl Clue, Mitch King, and you know just recently Davion Nixon plus others. And he's already hmm. shattering these records by 15 and 30 pounds. Uh, and he's only a registered freshman. It just shows you 
uh, he's got a real chance to make an impact this year. And, uh, you know, of course, I kind of sprinkled it around uh, most of the, the position groups. And then, uh, you know, a number two, I have Alex to be a quarterback. Uh, just real quick, uh, Trent, before you jump in here. Mm-hmm. Doc, and I didn't know this. I got a chuckle reading your piece re- regarding Black on a sports information questionnaire that he submitted prior to signing. He was asked for his favorite sports moment, and he replied was hitting people. And I guess that's what you want out of a defensive lineman, right? Or anybody on that side of the ball. I thought that was a pretty good nugget, Doc. Go ahead, Trent. Yeah, like that one a lot, and that's the kind of guys you need up front. A little bit deeper on your list, uh, Deontay Craig, a defensive end from Indianapolis. He was a top player in Indy uh, coming out two years ago. Four-star prospect. Is he a guy that, again, with development, could be maybe that pass rush specialist, at least initially in his career? It could happen. I think anything's possible because so many of these guys, you know, it, it, it's, I say it all the time and I'll probably say it until at least the season, and that is we're not having any kind of real uh, practice last fall. It was just hurry up and get on the field road that they didn't have a chance to really develop. And I think he could do that or, or be a rotational guy. I mean, you know, they, he's a four-star. They recruited him to be a real defensive end. I think, yes, he could step in and, and be a pass rush specialist, but I think even more valuable is I think he could be a guy with, you know, double-digit snaps, potentially up to 20, maybe a little bit more, uh, maybe back up Zach Van Valkenburg and, and uh, spell him for a couple of series a game and, and perhaps work his way into that type of, of rushing situation. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of things open on the table right now for these players because, you know, they only have one returning starter up front and a, a lot of, you know, only a couple of guys really with a lot of rotational experience. So, uh you know, Deontay Craig's the guy I listed, and I think he's got a chance to, to make his mark as well. I mean, I, I think the one thing about the defensive line is you have kind of a gap in experience. You have juniors, and then you have redshirt freshmen. <laughs> there's really mm. not, you know, there's very there's only one senior, and he's a super senior, and then there's, you know, not as many sophomores kind of making a move right this very second. You know, to the offensive side of the ball, and Gavin Williams is a guy that Trent did a lot of his games, and mm-hmm. we talked a lot about him, you know, since he's been at Iowa, and he got brief, we got brief glimpse uh, at him last year. But, Doc, this is a kid that I think that, you know, that, that maybe not the time is now because Goodson's in front of him, but he's certainly got an opportunity for some carries, one would assume. You listed him as at uh, number six. Uh, how much are they counting on Gavin Williams to really uh, take his game up a notch and you know to to be maybe that next guy in line yeah this is his time no doubt about it uh you know and i remember you know brian ferentz mentioned it his name and automatically everybody kind of hushed up with this is when he was i can't remember if he was at polk or dowling one of the two and uh, polk, just kind of yeah, yeah Polk uh, and i do he moved over in the last yep. year and brought his name up in a press conference everybody went whoa like okay here comes a violation or something but <laughs> no he's uh He's well put together. You know, Trent can probably speak to him more than I can. Uh, you know, perfect complimentary back to somebody like Tyler Goodson. And, you know, this is Goodson going into his junior year. He was a first-team All-Big Ten back. You never know what the future holds there. I would say either way, you know, we know the history of Iowa running back, and they're going to need probably three this year. And this is his opportunity to carry the ball quite a bit. Uh you know, last year, even Makai Sargent sometimes had more carries than, than Goodson did, just to, depending on the style of play and the team. And if you're going to have 13 or more games, even potentially for the Iowa Hawkeyes, you're going to need that second running back, to, and he's going to get every chance to prove that he's the guy. 
Running back, always need depth there. Speaking of depth, and there was conversations I know, do you think Iowa is done in the transfer market, possibly looking at you know, some people that are in the transfer portal? Feels like a few of those sometimes pop up during the summertime. Where do you think Iowa is in that front? You know, transfer portals is a intriguing opportunity for Iowa. I would I would expect them to look at it for sure, but I think their their real focus right now is development and just to kind of see what they have because they didn't again they didn't really have that opportunity last year. So if somebody like you know if you have Logan Jones and, and Y.A. Black and, and Deontay Craig and Chris Reams really come out and play well and feel like man I don't really want to take them off the field. The same thing with John Wagner and and Noah Shannon that that you want to throw somebody in the mix just to have to pull them back, and maybe they don't get there. Now, Jack Heflin was a perfect example. You insert him, he starts. He was a really good player. But Matt Lorbeck wasn't, and he was a walk-on anyway. But, I mean, a guy that probably potentially could have earned a scholarship, but he didn't He didn't earn his snaps. And so you want to bring in a guy to do that. Now, I, I think there are positions that you look at and you say, think, well, maybe another defensive lineman potentially a running back, maybe even somebody up front um, on the offensive side of the ball. But by and large, I think they're pretty well set most places. I, I do think, though, at the end of camp or close to it, they'll reset everything and say, all right, do we need somebody just to insert here as a one-year stopgap? And, and with FCS going on, I would expect, you know, in, in late uh, in April, early May, for a lot of these uh, transfer portal to fill right back up. Doc, uh, who do you think has the lead? Um, I mean, obviously, he's going to go all the way to the fall, but but who has the uh, it leads the way to be Petrus's backup at this point? Oh, Alex Padilla, for but, sure. Far by a long ways, though. I mean, has Hogan closed the yeah. gap at all? Not that I know of. Okay, I mean, they really like Alex Padilla. I know there is a lot of love for Deuce Hogan. I. And everybody in Iowa wants the backup to succeed so badly. And, yeah. and they kind of vaulted over the top of Alex Padilla. Nobody's seen him play. Yeah. I mean, he's the most accurate quarterback on the team. You know, he's, he's a little bit more fluid running-wise than anybody else. He's short, but he has a wealth of experience in Colorado and um, won two state titles and, and was the first-team all-state guy there, had an offer from Georgia. So Alex Padilla has a lot to offer. I just think a couple, every now and then there's a quarterback particularly who gets hyped, and everybody wants to see him. Now, I'm not saying Deuce Hogan can't beat everybody out, but let's let's give it, uh, let's make it organic here. And if Alex Padilla is the right guy, he's the right guy. No need to worry about the the, uh, collateral damage on that one. Padilla went where? Where did he go to school in Denver? Is he a Cherry Creek kid? He went to uh, Cherry Creek. Which is kind of like Valley. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, it's a beautiful area. I mean, at the stadium. Google the stadium. Yeah. It's really yeah. a little money there is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> Speaking of that, Doc. So Ken O'Keefe last week says it's an open competition at quarterback. And what do we do? We freak out about one little comment and go too far. Is this really a open competition at quarterback? Yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> it's an it's an open competition, but at this very moment. Spencer Petrus is the starter. Uh-huh. You know, what it comes down to is somebody like Alex Padilla and or Deuce Hogan to really turn heads this spring, make strides, show a trajectory of difference here. If there's if Petrus isn't climbing at, at a higher rate than, say, Padilla or, or Hogan, then 
once you get to the summer, then you start to identify, all right, we need to start putting more on this guy or that guy. That's the kind of competition we're talking about. If they played on Saturday, uh, it's Spencer Petras' job. And he won't, he won't, you know, played make games. He was uh, good at times. He was also very, very inconsistent. I think we could all say that and uh, struggled quite a bit at, also. But I also think he's got room for improvement and strides. And, and uh, you know, we can't just judge him off his sophomore year quite yet. Now, I'll say this, that um, my anticipation is that one of the quarterbacks, maybe both, close the gap on him a little bit, mm. but it's still going to be his gig. But you, when you open up with Indiana and at Iowa State, we'll know really quick if, if he's yeah. made that those strides or not because if he throws four interceptions at Ames, uh, I don't care what his upside is. There's not going to be anybody wanting to hear it. No, that's an excellent <laughs> yes. point. Scott Dockerman uh, of The Athletic uh, is our guest. Doc, so um, what will you be looking, what do you hope to see on Saturday as you get uh, led into Kinnick Stadium and looking forward to seeing how many people make their way over uh, to see that? What do, what do you expect to see and what do you hope that you're going to see on Saturday morning? Yeah, the real areas I want to see is, you know, what's the passing game like? I, I want to see how all the, 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 the three primary quarterbacks, how they interact in the passing game, how accurate they are, not only in seven-on-seven, seven, but just, uh, you know, how they command the offense. Because I'm going to be eyeing it just like everybody else is and, and think, okay, um, and I know a lot of people are so hopeful that Deuce Hogan in particular, and Alex Padilla a little bit, <laughs> plays so well on Saturday that, man, he's going to be the starter. I, I want to take a very even-eyed view and see if, okay, maybe Spencer Petras is better than, than what he showed last year, and or what about the other guys? And I want to see the pass catchers because, uh, you know, you're losing Brandon Smith and Amir Smith-Barset. They're going to, both going to be wearing NFL jerseys this year. And, uh, you know, who's going to step up, not be, you know beyond the – the two we already know about, and probably Charlie Jones. But, you know, what about the younger guys, uh, Keegan Johnson and Arlen Bruce specifically? But then also guys that were uh, true freshmen last year, uh, Kayvon Matthews and um, and um, Deontay Vines. I want to see how they interact. And then finally, uh, defensive line. I, I want to really get a glimpse at, on the rotations, mm-hmm. who's doing what. It's a lot to look for in a very short period of time, but yet – I, w- I want to see it all and try to take it in as best I can. What time does it start, Doc? 9.30. Wow. So, uh, you know, wow. it's, it's going to be like a, a really, really early kickoff. <laughs> There's no tailgating. So, um, yeah, it's like one of those uh, Pac-12 games that kick off at 9 <laughs> o'clock local time. <laughs> hey, Doc, uh, a quick basketball question. I know you're so deep in spring football. Any reaction at all from you, Riley Mulvey, who has committed the big guy, uh, for the 2022 class, reclassifying, and he'll be coming in this uh, this summer to be part of the upcoming freshman class. You read anything into that at all? I do a little bit, and that is that without Jack Dungey, they need they need bodies mm-hmm. if nothing else mm-hmm. in that position. I mean, when when you look at Luca Garza going, you know, going pro, of course, and and looking at uh, Jack Dungey going to Xavier, they really need somebody to play inside, and and I'm not sure uh you know what Bulvey could do right away i mean is he just kind of i my guess is he's a he's probably a reserve backup guy i i would think that i would still want to try to get somebody um through the transfer portal William to Robbins. step in and, and you know yeah that'd be perfect right? <laughs> yeah. But, you know if you can't get him you know you know but 
I think they could survive now with him. I think they could survive without picking up, say, a four, mm-hmm. because then you could just start moving pieces around and and uh, from who you have. But I, I still think they need that five, that veteran five, and then play twenty games in the Big Ten plus the tournament. That, those are a lot of games for somebody inexperienced. They'll get eaten alive. Indeed. Doc, Doc last thing for you. Uh, any Big Ten Network coverage? I'm not, I'm not saying they broadcast the entire thing. Will they have a camera there Saturday or then the, uh, Monday on May the 1st? You know, I saw Illinois, they're having their spring game a week from tonight, which kind of sounds out of the norm on a Monday night. But Big Ten Network's going to be there to cover that. So, you know, some folks, football junkies, will tune in. Any BTN coverage that you know of? Uh, any of these open practices? I haven't heard anything yet. I would assume that they would. I think there's a lot to, uh, that, you know, Iowa has a lot of cameras itself and sometimes ships video to BTN. I don't know if the, I'd imagine on the first is when you'll have the, you know, maybe a personality there and maybe more cameras. But in this case, I would assume there'll be some highlights that'll be thrown to the BTN and, um, yeah, I'm anxious to see. I think that's a smart move for Illinois. Uh, get as many eyes as you can, yep. and it means Monday Night Football. Do it, so, right? Uh, you know, and and it, it, just to watch any kind of spring practice for me is it feels like a victory over COVID at this point because I just last year was just such a letdown. I think for everybody, and and now we get a chance to have some normalcy in and, and Kinnick Stadium with some fans in it and. and get to watch the progress of the football program. I think we're I think both people are probably pretty excited for that opportunity. No question. We're excited to recap what you saw on Saturday with us a week from today. Uh thank you Scott Dockerman. Appreciate you coming on as always. All right, have a good one guys. You do the same. Scott Dockerman from the Athletic, theathletic.com. Uh, if you are looking to subscribe, you'll be glad that you did. Very reasonable price and all of your teams are covered. Friday night, watched a little Hawkeye baseball. They're playing the Gophers on BTN and uh, clubbed them over the weekend. Hawks certainly put themselves in good position to make the Big Ten tournament. And remember the Big Ten in baseball this year is playing only conference games. We know the Big Ten is not the SEC, ACC, Big 12, Missouri Valley. I mean, it's probably 10th, 11th, 12th best conference more than likely going to have to win the conference tournament to get a bid. But remember how fun that was a few years I do. back? I do, yes. And, and watching they this Hawkeye run. team. And uh-huh. Rick Heller, dude's just a wizard. But uh, Peyton Williams, who had some monster shots at Johnston, he had a home run that still might be going. Wow. They they estimated it at like 470. Felt hmm. like it was what further than Jeez. that. He is a monster over there for the Hawks. You know, you mentioned Missouri Valley Conference. Just mm-hmm. jog my memory here. Um Way to go, Jenny Baranzik. Right? Oh, yes. Way yes. to go. Yep. Way to go. She's bettering her family. She's bettering her going to the Big 12. But this isn't... She's been flirting for a while. This shouldn't catch everybody off guard, Trent. She was the the runner-up at Duke last year. You mm-hmm. don't get into the final cut without going hard for that job, right? right? Yes. This, is, this isn't this is like something, oh, a dream job, always one. Yeah, the dream job thing struck me as a little odd. Dream job. Where'd she go to school? She went to Iowa. Right. If Lisa Bluter was announced she was retiring, guess who would have made a call probably for her agent trying to get in line for an interview Hell over in yes. Iowa City? It'd be crazy if not. Yeah. Good for her. She grew up in Des Moines. I get it. Right. Went to Dolly. Drake's a really good school. Absolutely. For what she has done and what she's been able to build upon from the but coaching Trent, staff. She's before. been looking to go for a couple of years. Yes, this yeah. shouldn't catch anybody off. And again, way to go. No doubt. I mean, the salary bump is triple, itself quadruple. Has to be. 
it's a big jump up. And this is Oklahoma, mm-hmm. right? And they're pretty good at women's basketball and yeah. have been. Um, <laughs> Stacy Dales, back in the day. Look at then. Look at yeah. her career. I mean, mm-hmm. um, but anyways, good for her. But it's not like this is. This came out of nowhere, right? She was the runner-up at Duke last year when, uh, what's her name, Lawson got the gig. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anyways, 12 minutes before 12, Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO. For podcasting. Are you overdue for your dental appointment? Now is the perfect time to get your dream smile. And Fuller Family Dentistry accepts most insurance plans. Fuller Associates Family Dentistry offers a relaxed family atmosphere, anxiety and pain management, and the ability to give you the smile that you deserve. As a family-owned and operated business, Dr. Fuller has been practicing dentistry for over 30 years. Fuller Family Dentistry is located near Grandview Golf Course in Des Moines in Altoona on 8th Street. Come see what the buzz is all about and check them out on Instagram. As our country climbs out of its slowdown, Wolf Construction chooses to look at the positive trends and face the new challenges head on. But to face these challenges, we need help. Wolf Construction is searching for framing and trim carpenters of all experience levels. If you have a positive attitude, a good work ethic, and if you want an opportunity with a company that offers great pay and benefits, we'd love to have you apply. Click the now hiring button at wolfconstruction.net to get started. Be a part of something that matters. All right, Miller and Condon, welcome back. Final couple of minutes of the program. See our guy Matt Boldy lit the lamp in his pro debut. He did. Got the Miller and Condon bump. Well, I don't know about that, but he's a hell of a player. (laughs) Um, Enjoy him while he's here. So good for him. Got his pro career underway. Boston College grad. Iowa Wild for a while. It is trade deadline in the NHL. Maybe he'll get an opportunity to go up uh, shortly after that. And uh, not a great Friday night for the Wild after singing their praises. What, lost 9-1 to the Blues? And they came back and lost the following night, too. The Blues are playing a little bit better. Uh, Minnesota's still going to make the playoffs. They're, they're a good hockey team. And they Blues and Wild night. again tonight. Again tonight? 7 o'clock Jeez. for that one before. Finally, it'll be the Coyotes on Wednesday. First time they see somebody new and it feels while. like they need to see somebody new. You know, it's frustrating, right, as a, as a Jet fan. Trade deadline's going around. All the mm-hmm. four playoff teams that are in, they're all making moves one after another. Crickets. Nobody wants to, uh, to uh, waive their no-trade clause. Does everybody, I mean, for the most part, have... Everybody that has a no-trade... Okay, everybody's painting with a broad brush. Okay. 99.9% of NHL players that have the no-trade clause, the first name on that list, W-I-N-N-I-P-E-G. And why in the hell would you not have it on top? Why is it so bad? It's a dump. I love my hometown. <laughs> <laughs> it is... I love my hometown. Trent, it's a dump. It is snowing sideways there today. No. And it's supposed to all week. Okay. That's what it's like. Yeah, that sounds awful. That sounds just absolutely brutal.